trust rate, I guess, a failing, maybe. I regret all the time I wasted not saying yes to things. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was little. Time slipping away, I mean, that's probably the worst feeling in the world, right? loads of friends from different walks of life and it's really hard to keep in touch with everyone. Up until recently, I was homeless. If I hadn't hurt the people that I had, maybe I wouldn't have been. I wanted to do so many things, but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like plan B. I just never did it. <laughs> where I want to be. It's like where I want to go. That it's not my regret anymore. It means there's possibility. If you would with me, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 17. Uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on, God, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, finding joy in the Lord is easy when Jesus is at the center. You know, we've been talking about reconciliation over in the teen house on Wednesday nights. I'm teaching the high schoolers about uh, heaven and hell and how heaven and earth got separated by sin and how Jesus came to reconcile that. We're going to be getting to that uh, throughout the weeks, but now we just kind of got started. So 
This is going to be very interesting for the kids, and the kids seem to love talking about that kind of stuff. And we have been given an awesome opportunity to have our slates wiped clean through the reconciliation of Jesus. As Dalton was talking about in his comments at the Lord's Supper, he talks about how Jesus came to uh, be our sin bearer and how we can be reconciled through him. And how awesome that is that somebody would come for us to die for us and we wouldn't have to live in sin. So we have through a reunion with Jesus, Paul is telling us that when we enter into a relationship with Christ, we are no longer who we were before. Our slates have been wiped clean. And if you notice in verse 19, it says that God is not counting men's sins against them. Now, Youth in Action this past couple of weeks, we talked about the speaker, Phil Brookman from uh, uh, Oklahoma City, talked about grace. And he said he had the kids close their eyes, put their sin in their hands and hand it to God. And he asked them what God, what God would do. And, of course, you know, we got all sorts of different uh, responses. But he said God would take that and smile and drop it. And that's what grace is. And I wish I could speak as well as he could because he put it a lot better than I just did. But first, with a clean slate, we are free from our past. And Jesus says in John sixteen twenty four that ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. All we have to do is ask him for joy and he will give it to us. So if you talk to anybody around here, and of course in that video we just showed, they'll almost tell you that they've done something in their lives that they regret. So a lot of people that didn't get their uh, education, they didn't have kids before their parents passed away. A lot of things, a lot of regrets that they live with. And here, just the same, if you were to go and ask anybody here, we all have a past, and for many people, that past haunts them. Sometimes all of their lives. There are people who never move forward or because of fear of their past. And that past is a powerful force in our lives. Christ has told us that when we are reconciled to him, when he gives us a clean slate, we are free from our past. Just like in verse 19, it says that he's not counting our sins. Thank goodness, because I know for one fact I wouldn't like God counting my sins. But I did a lot of sinning in my 20s. If you look at Psalms 103.12, the psalmist declares that as far as the east is from the west, so east from the west, so far, he's removed our transgressions from us. God has given us his forgiveness. And because of that, we are set free from our past. You've heard the term forgive and forget. Well, most of us hear that statement and say, well, that's baloney. Nobody can do that. But it's true. Nobody can, but God can. In God's eyes, when we come to him, truly repentant, and seek to be reconciled with him, he forgives us. Like the psalmist said, he removes our sins as far as the east from the west. What an amazing freedom we've been given. Instead of carrying the weight of our past and our sin on our shoulders, Christ wants us to come to him, bring that to him, and he will take that burden on. He casts our past from him and remembers them no more. We are free from our past. And this clean slate not only frees us from our past sin, but also frees us from our current sin. Now, I want to tell you guys a story about when I was growing up in high school, over where the Legends Shopping Center is over in Kansas City, Kansas. I used to work at a riding stables there. And we had lots of horses, about 35 horses, and we would take what at the time we called city people out on trail rides. Now, of course, I was a city person, too, but I just like to call them that at that time. So we had a lot of horses, and we would, I would be in charge of putting the bridles on, putting the saddles on, and taking the people out to the trails. Um, now, had the owner, and then a couple lived there in the, in the, in the farmhouse, and the lady would like to take um, rescued horses and treat them to be uh, or what I would call a normal horse. So these battered horses would only get fed in this barn 
oats and water at certain times. So they would know when somebody was coming with food and water that they were going to eat and drink. So when you take them away from that environment and you put them out in wide open where there's a pond, they can go drink whenever they want. And when there's grass beneath their their hooves, they can eat whenever they want. But they don't know that because they're in this comfort zone of having something come to them all the time. So it's kind of like the truth when we were in a comfort zone about God, too. You kind of open your eyes when you get out of your comfort zone. You're like, oh, I can I can go over there and do this. I can go over here and do that. Like, like that horse. They would just whine and whine until you got your oats and, and water to them. Until they figured out that they had to get out of their comfort zone and realize God's glory is all around me. I can eat this. I can drink this. It's the same with God's glory. You get out of that comfort zone, and that's when you really grow in Christ. And since I'm a youth minister, I get to tell kids how to teach kids how to come out of their comfort zone. So, Jake Morris, do you have anything to say about coming out of your comfort zone? Well, Jeff, it just so happens that I do. (laughs) And I had planned on breaking the ice by making a joke about the structure and sturdiness of the cans, but I can't do that anymore. In the video we just watched, um, it said that many times the common theme was the reason that they didn't do something, they had many nots and they had many, it is our nots and our can'ts and our won'ts that keep us away from our yeses, cans, and wills. A lot of times we'll say, oh, I can't do that, or I won't do that. There's not a way in the world you're getting me to do that. We, we give excuses for everything. When our attitude, God wants us to have the attitude of, yes, Lord, I will. I can, I will, I must, I will do this for you. He, does, he wants us to be doers. He doesn't want us to sit on the sideline and watch. He wants us to go out there and do his word. Most of the time, the reason we fail is because we never try. You see, we're afraid of failure, and it's because society has molded us to believe that failure is bad. That is, if we fail, then we're over. There's nothing more we can do. When that's not true. When you fail, you push yourself farther. When you fail, you find out, okay, I can get that far. I know now. And each time you fail, you get a little bit better. You can push yourself even farther and farther each time. Thomas Edison, he failed a thousand times. He had only figured out one way to make a light bulb. People ridiculed and said, you failed many times. Why do you keep trying? He said, I may have failed, found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb, but I found one that works. Um, People are so afraid of failure because not because they're afraid to fail themselves. They're afraid of failure and have and people seeing their failure. They say, oh, I don't want to see how I failed, see my sins. But in reality, it is our it is what failure that brings us together. It's our uh, it's our jagged edges that brings us together, not our smooth ones. An example of that is at Camp Anikimo each year, uh, which I go to about towards the end of the week. Once everyone's kind of got to know each other, there is. There's a prayer walk. And what the prayer walk is, is you go through. You're never alone. You're usually with a group of some sort. And you go through, and there's stations with a scripture usually in a little blur about what you should pray about, what you should think about. And you go through it, and a lot of times you're thinking, oh, I don't want to tell anyone my sins. They, they, they obviously don't have, have what I have. I'm the only, I have the most sins here. When in reality, by the end of the prayer walk, you found that you have you are in common. You're not the only sinner there. You're not the only one that has sinned, but you're together. And by the end, we would all gather around a campfire, and we'd sing songs, and you have this feeling of peace and forgiveness and enlightenment. You feel much better because you're together. You release your sins together. You're no longer alone. Um, this is why we should be out here with our yeses, not our noes. 
a lot of times people will say, you'll hear someone say, oh, I wish I would have gone back to high school or gone back to college and done this, gotten that grade, tried out for that team. You, you never hear them say, I'm so glad that I stayed in my comfort zone, didn't do anything. No, you don't hear that. You always say, I wish I would have taken that step. I wish I would have gone out there and tried that and done this. And it's because of that, we, we, should, we should be telling everyone the joyous the joyousness of Jesus. We should be going out and saying our yeses should just lead to that. I guarantee that if the church, we took out of our vocabulary the words not, can't, won't, and never for a week and replaced it with yes, can, absolutely, we would have people coming in the doors, flooding in, because that positive attitude would almost draw them to us. Paul would often, he would often uh, describe our walk with Jesus as a race. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says here. uh, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Our walk should be like that, or our run in Christianity. We shouldn't be just strolling along and thinking, oh, I'm going to get into heaven anyways. I just got to barely make it through. We should be sprinting. Trying to be the first one there to say, I want to, be the, I want to be the first one in. I want to be the best. I want to be the best for you, Lord. I want to be with you. Actually, it, when John and Peter found out that Jesus, the, the stone had been rolled away and Jesus was no longer in the tomb, they sprinted there so fast that John outran Peter to the tomb. And I imagine they were pretty good friends. And you'd think, oh, come on, we'll get there together. No. He had his eye on the prize. He said, I see nothing else. He passed his friend and went, got there first. This, this is how attitude should be. And a lot of times our attitude isn't always because we're stuck in our regrets, as the video showed. Our regrets is what, is what keeps us in our comfort zone. Because a lot of times we'll go out, we'll try something, and we might fail, and we'll say, we'll regret it, and we'll say, I don't want to try that again. I want to stay here. But if we keep our regrets, we're, not, we're always going to... We're always going to be in there. We're never going to get out. We're going to stay in our comfort zone. But that's what God is. As I said in the video, they gave the erasers and gave them a clean slate. God is our clean slate. Our clean slate, our clean slate is stepping in that water back there and receiving the Holy Spirit. When we do that, our slate is clean. Our regrets are gone. God tells us, take those regrets, take those nots, turn them into yeses. Go forth and do my word. I ask this morning that you'll take your knots and no's and turn them into yes and cans. You'll get a clean slate this morning, church, as we stand and sing.